everyone, welcome to a new episode of Caroline Talks. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with director Luke Salin and writer Kayla Lumi Lewis about their debut pilot show, Parked in America. It premiered at the South by Southwest Film Festival. I watched it and enjoyed it and I had to speak to them about it because it's so good. And so I would just like um, Kayla and Luke to introduce themselves and just say a little bit about yourselves, about your, your writing style and your directing, and then we'll get into the show. So Kayla, we'll go for, with you first. Hi, I'm Kayla. Uh, I just graduated from NYU in May of 2020, uh, as, as well as Luke. We both graduated together. But uh, yeah, so Parked in America was our senior thesis project, and we're so excited to be premiering at South by Southwest this year. So I hope that everybody who has watched it has uh, enjoyed it and connected with it. And Luke? Yeah, hi, I'm Luke Salen. Um, yeah, I graduated with Kayla too, uh, just this last year. and. Um, yeah, we're, we're very close friends. Uh, we grew up in the Bay Area together. Um, and I don't know, we don't, <laughs> we're pretty, we're pretty young. So uh, this is, that's, that's probably about as detailed as our, as our bio gets. So yeah, like this is just the beginning of where our bio begins. <laughs> I think you've done a pretty fantastic job for the beginning of your professional bio and especially for your first outing, creating a TV show. And I guess you could call it a film project as well. And so Parks in America is about a young Korean girl, I'm guessing she's about 16, 17, depending, who comes to, who goes to Illinois to stay with her family after a tragedy has occurred in her family, in, in her family back home in um, South Korea. And she arrives and it's an immediate culture shock. To me, I saw it, the, the intro I thought was pretty interesting because it starts with her talking to her aunt in Korean. And then she talks to her father and you get immediately sense that something bad has happened and it's something bad involving her. And when she arrives at the house, she comments on the sides of the house. And when she goes in, she asked her aunt, what's your first recommendation for me to fit in to America? And the first thing her aunt suggests is for her to change her name. And I'm like, yo, that's such an interesting thing because like your name is your calling card. It's the first thing to signify your identity. And especially for people of Asian, I would say ethnicities and particular um, uh, people of color from different cultures, your name can tell can tell a lot about where you're from. Like Korean, South Korean names are very, um, they're very distinct with how they're structured and the names. And her Korean name is Jiyeon Park. And her aunt was it suggests, okay, you need to change that American name. And I'm like, does she really have to? But then like you guys immediately set up this, this story about it's about assimilation and integration and and, and immigration, but not so much that, but more, I guess, uh, the, the difference between assimilation and, in, and, and um, integration. So could you just discuss that, just starting your story from that perspective? What was your intent making that the first thing that we learn about her? Yeah, so I suppose the name change, um, I, all of my relatives who have come and visited from Korea, they, and it's like they were only here for like vacation, but they would tell me right off the bat, my name is Peter. You know, and I'm just like, I know that's not your name. I know your Korean name. And they're like, nope, I'm Peter, like Peter Parker. And I'm like, got it. So everyone, like, I think it's just, um, and it's something that they looked forward to coming over here. It's like being, you know, Americanized and living out an American life for, for a couple of weeks. Whereas Jamie or Jian, she doesn't feel that way at all when she's coming here. It's It's more like she wants to be able to stay herself, but the people around her are pushing her to to fit in and and you know mold with this society so i think um yeah everyone has a different relationship to their their name um i think especially asian americans like i i was like very very ashamed of it when i was really young because right away kids were making fun of me and saying like oh it's you and me very funny or they would call me yummy which is also just not fun so I'm just like you know what I'm never going to tell anyone my middle name ever again and I didn't for a very long time until NYU like on my roster and, and on my email I don't know how like maybe I signed up or something with my middle name attached to something but everywhere I go my middle name is on like everything uh, at NYU so I kind of had to you know, really accept that. <laughs> and now I just like, you know, use it all the time. But, uh, it, you know, forced me to confront my issues <laughs> with my middle name and why I had those problems. So I think uh, we wanted to put that in as well. But yeah. <laughs> and Luke? Yeah, I think like, I mean, growing up here in the Bay Area and then going to New York and 
uh, those kind of being two of the more diverse places, um, at least here in the United States, I feel like we've seen a lot of, um, you know, teachers or just um, people in our community who just have had their names mispronounced um, like all the time. And it's, I think it's honestly just so frequent. Um, but because it's so frequent, I think a lot of people just kind of pass it over as like not a big deal. Um, but really like it's, it's your name. It's one, it's one of the most important parts of your identity. And I think it really affects how, you know, people see you in the world. And I think, you know, being able to <laughs> just have, have yourself presented the way that you want to present it is really important. Um, and it starts with, you know, your name. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. And I think, you know, it's, it's not just, um, Asian Americans, um, like my, on my dad's side, um, my grandfather changed uh, our family name from uh, Skolinski to um, Salen because he was worried about when he was starting his family, how that name would affect how, you know, my father and then the rest of our family would grow up. So uh, it, it really is common. And it's, it's, so it's not just, um, you know, one culture. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely, a, <laughs> it's all over. So. Yeah, that's a, it's a very North American thing because coming from the Caribbean, I'm Barbadian, and we have no, like, pe we have people from literally all over the world living in Barbados. I went to school with kids who were, whose parents were, like, living in Barbados because they're, they transfer mm -hmm. for work and, and whatnot, but then there's also, we, have, we would learn people's names. I went to school with kids who are Hindu, Muslim, Asian, and from all over the world, and, like, we would learn each other's names. And then I moved to, to Canada and suddenly just my simple first name, Carolyn, which is one of the whitest names you could ever hear. And people would still find a problem. People all of a sudden had a problem pronouncing it because they expected me to have, I swear to God, an ethnic name. One of the first times I, I interviewed for a job here, the, I, I was like, my name is Carolyn Hines. And the, the lady interviewing me, she's like, is there another name, way to pronounce it? I'm like, what, what do you mean? It's Carolyn Hines, and she kept mispronouncing. I'm like, it's Carol. I'm like, lady, why? And then someone explained to me that when it comes to us, like people from F from people of color, like white people, I'll say straight up, they assume that there has to be some ethnic way to pronounce their name, even if it's not, even if it's not ethnic quotation marks. And just like you, as you guys explored in the in the first few minutes, like at her first day at school, the teacher doesn't even bother to try to pronounce it the correct way. He said, I can't be bothered. And she's like, okay, well, my name is like Jamie, like Jamie Fox. And I just thought that was super interesting. And, and the thing is like, the name doesn't even sound like her Korean name either. It like phonetically is completely different, but it just, it's just like straight off the thing. Like when it comes to fitting into North America, we have to, we have to change so much about our identities to, for us to just get by. Cause it, like the hassle is almost like a hassle to, to it's for respect. And it's a hassle to, to keep reminding people, this is how you say my name, this is how you say my name. But then it also shows they just don't really care sometimes, especially coming from a teacher where he's just, I can't be bothered, but then he's going talking about Christianity and like, you know, the tenets of the of the of the Bible and the Ten Commandments. I'm like, really? Like you don't even see, you don't see the the, the dichotomy between Christianity, but then again, when you talk about like Christianity and and how it was spread throughout the world kind of explains a lot. <laughs> and then going from that, the next part that I found is really interesting with Gion or Jamie is her interactions with her family. So this is her first time in America. And immediately we know that she and Eli don't get along. And I just thought this interesting because they're the same age and he's her family and, you, and he knows that she's coming from whatever difficult situation he doesn't know exactly. But he kind of sees her as infringing on on his space as an outsider. So, um, could you just tell me about their story? There, for in the first episode, I think you guys did a fantastic job, like bridging the gap and the space between their relationship. But at the beginning, they're like not enemies, but they just don't get along. But then at the end, he starts to make a movement towards her to become more friendly. So, can you just tell me um, about building that because? so much I think of the story like I hope you guys get a full a full series because so much of the story is going to hinge on their relationship and whether they stay close or not is going to make or break I think the entire story 
Right. Their relationship is extremely important just because we don't have a clear antagonist in the story. Um, like there's not a bully or any, well, there's just like small microaggressions, but there's not like one person that's like clearly evil. Um, and so we had to ride the line of kind of making Eli this kind of antagonist, more like an anti-hero type of character um, who's just struggling with a lot of his own personal things. And I think the last thing he needed is someone who's also extremely struggling to enter on his life and he has to feel or his parents kind of make him feel responsible for this person when they're at school um and Eli's like well great I'm literally like trying to like ace my SATs I'm trying to stay on top of my schoolwork and also this cross-country thing that I'm doing like I have a million things on my mind the last thing I need is this girl who I don't know that well who is going to draw attention to me even more than is already on me so I think um you know, but once Eli kind of finds out more about her situation, he can understand that she is feeling a lot of the similar things that he is um, in terms of feeling like the odd one out. Um, and that, you know, they work better if they work together rather than, you know, buttheads all the time. But I feel like, you know, going forward, they're not always going to get along. That's at least not my intention. Because um, like they might still be on like a same page for a bit uh, at the end of the pilot. But I think now that Jamie has learned more about Eli that he didn't want anyone to know, there's gonna be a lot more tension. So it's def they're definitely not like buds forever now. So I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think like from the beginning, Kayla and I talked about how we, like, we wanted all the characters to be likable in some sense or that you could see that their motivations, they were all trying to do something that they thought was good. Um, but it just might not necessarily have been going about it the right way or um, their their interests might have conflicted. So, uh, but then also just the fact that all these young people, they're all high schoolers and you can't really um, kind of blame them. You don't want to make them, you know, all villains because maybe in some cases they just need to grow up a little bit. Yeah, the thing that you, um, like um, Kaylee mentioned, he's, a type, he's not an anti-hero, but he is a bit of a jerk at the beginning and my first instinct was to be like dude just relax <laughs> just just chill out she's in a new place she's, she's trying to fit in but then as you as you mentioned he is all he also is dealing with his own um things that he's insecure about and things that he's trying to keep secret and I think like for your casting of of them Jeff Lawless who plays Eli and Judy Song who plays um Gion, I think they their dynamic works really well because he's very charming and him being naturally charming helps you to get past the initial this any dislike that you may have for him in the beginning and for for Judy she's very um I, what's the word I'm looking for she feels uncomfortable and like you and you can sympathize with that because there are ways there are ways that actors can perform a role where if they're uncomfortable it makes you feel uncomfortable too and not in a good way not that you're empathized with them but you just don't feel comfortable but she creates empathy in the audience so I think you guys did a brilliant job casting these characters so could you tell me a little bit about going through the casting process for this project because you have almost an like the cast I think it's equally half Asian and half and half white so just how did you go about casting them and what was it about each person for the roles, including the extended family, like the aunt and, and Halimuni, like what, what was it about their, their performances that made you select them? Luke, do you want to start? Yeah, well, because it was, it was quite a process. I think it was one of the more difficult parts of um, getting this made, because um, we knew, since Kayla and I are both biracial, we wanted to have um, a biracial family in it. Um, and also just because story-wise that would create more tension. Um, but yeah, it was really hard to find um, uh, for Eli, people who were, um, you know, half Asian to audition and then for him to look like, you know, his younger sister. So to find someone else at that age and then um, to find kind of two parents that looked like them. Um, but I'll jump back over to Jamie uh, first um we spent a long time looking for for Jamie and we saw a lot of people uh, and it was tough because I think when you read the script it can read or especially Jamie can read as very standoffish especially at the beginning when she's um in the classroom trying to change her name or deciding to change her name um 
you know, speaking to that discomfort, it's, you know, there's a very thin line between knowing what that uncomfortable feeling is and then knowing how that, how the feelings that you have going inside processing all of these microaggressions um, and the trauma that you're feeling, how that then gets presented to the world. Because, um, you know, she's new, so she's kind of shy, but she's also strong and she will face these problems that she's going to be dealt with. So, um, yeah, there were very few people who could balance all those things. And so we were very lucky to find Judy, um, who she herself, um, when she was younger, um, she had come to the U.S. Um, to go to school. Um, and so she had been through that already. Um, so she had grown up in Korea and then she went through the process. So um, in some ways, it was just total luck that um, we found somebody who totally embodied. Yeah, I mean, I agree with like everything that Luke was saying, especially about Judy, because in our script, yeah, like Jamie can read kind of angry, I think. Um, and that's how a lot of uh, people that we saw read Jamie and I got kind of nervous. I was like, oh God, are people going to hate this character? You know, mm -hmm. and then we saw Judy come in and she brought this kind of like youthful vulnerability to the character that I think is really, really necessary so that we can root for this character um, because she's going through a really, really hard time at a very young age, coming to a brand new place. And I think, you know, you're not going to be right, ready to bite someone's head off when they make a small jab at you, you know? I think that's someone who's like maybe more mature would handle it that way, but um, someone who's 16, I think would not be ready for that. Um, or at least in my opinion, there's probably people like that out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so J uh, Judy was incredible and we were so, so lucky um, to have her. And and Jeff, at this, he was the first Eli that we saw and he uh, immediately blew us away and we're like that guy is Eli like without even you know reading the lines he's Eli but the thing that we were worried about was his age we were like is Judy gonna look too young with him or you know and so we found out a way to if we dressed him in a, a certain way and put his hair down because he usually has his hair kind of up he looks younger so that it, it, it worked out thank god it worked out and they have such amazing chemistry together and i think they're they're friends as well but at least on set we were all we were all a good happy family um so i think uh i think we had just as a crew and a cast together we just had this great bonding over this project so yeah and touching on on the fact that judy is um korean like she was born in south korea and she moved to america I, there's a moment like that I had to pause and question. It was like, that doesn't make sense to me, but then I had to really think about it. And this is when she was at the school and she was asked about her accent. And she said she went to an international school. And I was like, okay, I know there's like a lot of international schools in South Korea and they do teach like um, English immersion um, courses and like they're all English immersion. But I was like, but then she, did she still have some kind of inflection or, or some kind of accent when she's speaking English, because she is, she does have an American accent. And um, so I, I, to be sure, I was like, maybe I'm being too judgy. So I asked a friend of mine who lives in South Korea and she teaches um, South Korean um, culture academically. And so she explained to me that when it comes to the school, like they do such heavy immersion, like they are taught to speak without um, their Korean accents because it was, because I told her, but, but she still speaks Korean at home with her dad and he, he like she'll be speaking with a Korean, accent because I was thinking from my own way that I can turn my accent and my dialect off. When I'm home, when I'm talking to my sister, my my full dialect comes on. When I'm at work, I don't speak with any like Beijing inflection at all because if I do, like people can't understand because I speak super fast and my accent is super heavy. But then she was like, but that's how they're trained. They're, they're taught that from early, if, especially if they went to school from young. So I wanted to ask you about that and about like your research into that, because I just thought that was interesting, um, a way to, I think it was, I thought it was just an interesting way to just teach a little bit about the South Korean um, education system in particular. Right. I think um, that is a question that a lot of people had uh, is about Jamie's accent and, and her language barrier. And, um, you know, and when we found Judy, that's just how she speaks in English. And so, and I think what I really dislike about Hollywood and how they treat Asian characters is that they make them fake an accent um, in order to further exoticize Asian people. And I think, you know, I'm like, you know, th if this is just how Judy speaks, I'm not gonna force her to do, to like play it up. You know what I mean? And I think um, 
especially since Judy herself like went to international school and she went to international school in Jeju Island in Korea until you know she came to college so I'm like well if that's how she speaks that's how she speaks and uh I'm just like yeah yeah I think that's that's what I and, and I know that a lot of people including me sometimes people will ask me like do you speak English before they speak to me and I'm like I was I'm literally white I'm half white <laughs> I uh gr I grew up here um so I think yeah it's just that people have this very um they have an expectation of how Asian people are supposed to be and I think the media feeds into that with this um with all of the over dramatic like over exaggerated accents especially in things like 16 candles um and even going all the way back to like mickey rooney's um you know impressions of asian people i think uh, i wanted to kind of put an end to that and if that's yeah if that's even okay but <laughs> well yeah. a, we have a story specifically about the accent because um our um script supervisor and editor um our friend Sung kim um she sat in on auditions with us to make sure that, um, you know, Hyesung is from Korea, so she has a better sense of um, exactly what someone should sound like um, when they're speaking both in Korean and in English. And one thing that Hyesung picked up on for Judy was that she spoke um, in English and Korean, um, both in the way um, how you pick kind of what tone you speak in for Korean um, and also just how she spoke in English. Um, she, she spoke like she was from Korea and she wasn't just a Korean American because we did see a lot of Korean Americans who, um, you know, could have learned Korean or English first, but, um, just the way that they spoke both, there was just a very clear difference. Um, and so I hope that, um, you know, other Korean viewers of Parked in America will also pick up on those very small details. I'm sure it's tougher without like a side-by-side -side comparison, um, but um, I think I think that just the authenticity made it, um, I don't know, seamless. Um, no, I understand me because when she is speaking Korean, her, her intonation changes. And there is a, um, there is a slight inflection because I know like for the different provinces and the different cities, there is different um, dialects. So like a Seoul dialect is different to like a Jeju Island dialect or for a Busanas um, dialect. So, so there is a there is a inflection to the way she speaks her Korean. So that's why when she spoke English, I was looking for the same inflection in the in the English. So that's why it kind of threw me off a bit. But like you as you guys said, that's how Judy speaks, and it does lend an authenticity about it because um, I find for Amer North American media in particular, even like you like um Kayla, you mentioned how they make Asians um, over-exaggerate their um, accents. But the thing is, is like a lot of the accents still sound pretty similar. And um, there isn't like a, you know what I mean? Like sometimes like there isn't, especially if the person is, for instance, if they get like a Chinese actor to play a Korean um, Korean character, they somehow sound like they're, like, you know, like they're speaking with a, a Chinese accent. And this does happen in Hollywood where they do, they do, have they do cast interethnically where you have an actor from one ethnicity playing a character of a different ethnicity and like for me I sometimes I take great offense when you have like Caribbean um, characters and everyone's supposed to sound and everyone somehow magically sounds in this boss Jamaican accent I'm like each island has their own dialect each ass each island has their own accent please learn it get it right <laughs> and so I kind of I kind of relate to what you guys are saying about having the authenticity with the accent and the dialect when she's doing it and and going on from that, there is they 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 kind of like is exemplified in two characters. So there's the aunt, um, who is uh, I think her name is Yeon Soo, and then there's Hamni, the grandmother. And you kind of have these two differentiating opinions about um, being South Korean in America. The aunt is about assimilation. She wants she wants Jeon Jamie to fit in. And she like even at at dinner she had the husband who's white is cooking dinner and he's making like microwave dinners and that's perfectly fine with her and she even says like kimchi doesn't go back with what he's making and I'm like for, my immediate reaction was literally the same as Samuel I'm like kimchi goes with everything what are you talking about and then and then he was like the one that's telling you like you don't have to change your identity you don't have to change who you are to fit in here you can just be who you are and I thought it was interesting to have these two women with these two different. To these two differing opinions about 
about being Asian in America. So can you tell me about not only these two characters like um with regards to building them and, and casting them again, but also just like creating the script and the dialogue because I imagine that maybe you've had these kind of conversations with your own family members or friends. Yeah, for sure. And also um, uh, our actress who plays the aunt, Judy Hahn, uh, her character name is Emma, but her, uh, oh, sorry. no, it's it's so fine. Just wanted to uh, say that, but, um, and uh, Jamie's father's name is Jung Soo. So you, you got, you got, you got it. <laughs> A lot of it is um, kind of based on the, what I've overheard uh, and been a part of in my own family. Uh, my mom's mom lives only like five minutes away, 10 minutes away by drive. So we see her a lot. And um, my mom, she moved here with her family from Korea in the 1980s. I think it's 1980 specifically. Um, and my mom now, she's very Americanized and, and she, like she, she came here when she was 13. She hardly has an accent anymore as far as I'm concerned. I don't hear one, but maybe that's just because I've grown up with her. Maybe uh, she does and I just cannot process it. Um, but yeah, and she's uh, very much like, you know, one with American culture, whereas um, my grandmother is not that, so much that way. Um, and so I kind of, and, and it's not that my grandma has ever encouraged me to disregard American culture, but she's just been more of a touchstone to my culture for me specifically, um, because just all the food that she makes and the way she talks about Korea, it just, you know, it's a lot more tangible from her. Um, whereas my mom is this more uh, Asian American identity um, that I can also grab, grab hold on to. Um, but also my mom still makes Korean food all the time and everything. So uh, Emma is more of an exaggeration of um, what I think uh, assimilation can be like. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to have those two different perspectives in the show. Um, so Jamie can have those two people to look to in terms of what she wants and how she wants to approach living here. Um, and I think, you know, she doesn't necessarily choose or think that one is better than the other in terms of their views, but she's taking both into account and making her own way in, in this world and, and using both of their advice. So, yeah. And Luke, can you talk a bit about um, the casting for them? Because I love these two women. I, I think the actresses are, are great and I can't wait to see more from them, especially for their interactions, because you can tell there is a bit of tension um, between mother and daughter so could you just tell me about casting them and because you're casting for the pilot but you're also casting with the intent that the show is picked up and that you would be using the same cast so can you just tell me specifically about casting them and their chemistry and their dynamic yeah um well judy han was the first person we saw um so it was the first time we were kind of hearing the script be vocalized by anybody um and so we, we were very unprepared that day. So we're, we're lucky that she was willing to come back. Um, and we had her meet with um, Mihua, who was actually the only person who auditioned for um, for Harmony. So we, we got very lucky, um, I think, in both situations, honestly, with every, with every uh, member of the cast. So, um, but when we had these group auditions, um, we could just immediately see as we moved groups in and out just who felt like they bonded together with the best um and then even like outside of just the scene just how they would get along or just the natural kind of way that they would interact um like i think just for the whole crew not just you know emma or um jamie as characters but uh, mihua was like you know kind of a mother to us all um, and certainly, um, you know, helped guide us um, for different scenes um, or for what would be the best way to kind of represent a certain situation. So, um, yeah, I think they're, they're both just um, so wise and they bring um, their own individual personalities to um, their characters and yeah, it just truly is just luck that we got um, two actresses that could, um, you know, understand exactly who they were. And same with same with Jamie as Judy. Um, it's it's just very we're just very lucky. <laughs> we're just very lucky. The thing with this, I think that's going to be really interesting with the show is like the focal point is going to be um, Jamie's relationship with with Eli. 
But I may, I have to mention these two women again because very rarely uh, when we are taught, when we get shows about, I guess you could say about the relationship of people of color to um, living in North America, it's usually just like, for instance, the main character's relationship to that. But when you have, but for Jamie, she's going to have her grandmother and her aunt. And I just think it's interesting that we're going to have these three, these three perspectives about the, the per, these three perspectives of women of color in particular, Asian women of color living in North America, because that perspective is very specific. I think it's just beautiful that we're going to have that because this is something that we need more of, not only for Asian American representation, but I think also for just like women of representation for women of color in particular, because we need to have these, we need to have more of these kind of stories and these kind of relationships on screen. And that's what I'm really hoping to show guest picture because let's face it, North American TV is can like when you do have Asian characters, there a lot of them are still kind of stereotyped or like when it comes to women, like they don't get, they're not fully realized characters. And there's not a lot of depth to them. And I would say the last one that I know of um, is Joan Watson, played by Lucy Liu in the um, in the Sherlock adaptation. And for my one part, I don't think we have, we've had such a, 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 a deep character like her. So if that your show gets picked, we'll have three now. And for the two of you, could you tell me a bit about what this show means to you personally, not only as Asian Americans, but as creators and having it show at a festival like South by Southwest. I mean, yeah. Um, and I also want to also just like second everything you said about Asian women um, and their portrayals in media, uh, just because we've, everyone that <laughs> in my community, we've grown up, you know, seeing a certain type of Asian woman in uh, TV and film, whether that's, you know, Cho Chang or, uh, who just cries <laughs> about boys um, or just like, you know, uh, when people, I, I can't, I don't know why all of a sudden my mind has gone blank, but it's just like the, the tropes of like the lotus flower or the dragon lady um, and just like the over-sexualized versions of these women. I think um, I wanted to, first of all, just not do that, but, um, you know, portray people as they are and as human as we are and not in the, not as objects of someone else. It's, you know, just these people existing on their own. Um, I, I feel like I'm wording this in a terrible way, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're just not in relation to someone else, but they are their own person, if that makes sense, with their own complexities fully fleshed out. And I guess in terms of creating and being able to go to South by Southwest, I mean, we just made what we wanted to see, I think, and what we haven't seen so far. I think there's, there's um, in, in these past couple of years, there's been a, a great, you know, uh, like surgence of, uh, of uh, Asian American content that I think is really, really incredible. And now I think we can be a part of that, which is, which is amazing. But being able to debut this at South by Southwest is a dream come true just because we, we were students when we made this. You know, a lot of student films don't really get to go to festivals as big as this. So we weren't expecting this, to be frank. Um, and so to have this opportunity to get all these eyes on it is just just mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And just before Luke comes, I think there's something I need to say for my own, just for my own mind. When I say um, there's been a lack of Asian characters, I'm not discounting shows. This is just for like the listeners too. I'm not discounting shows like um, Kim's Convenience or... Um, what was the show by Mindy Kaling? Um, Never have I ever. <laughs> yes, that one. And also, if you're looking at like films, we're gonna we're gonna look at um to all the boys I've loved and the, and that series. But when I look at those kind of shows, still when you really when you really look at the female characters, sometimes like it was only in the last film, like for to all the boys, we really got to know who Lara Jean is apart from her relationship with uh, Peter and I'm like we got we gotta wait two whole two and a half films to finally get to know who Lara Jean is away from her her desire for for Peter like come on and even then with like Kim's convenience keeping it a hundred a lot of the especially the younger daughters blanking on her name a lot of her storyline is centers around relationship around men too and I'm like, can we not do this? Like there there there's for female relationships in general like we are not for women, everything in our lives does not revolve around men. 
And, and I think we need to have more characters, I think, like Jamie, where a lot of her, a lot of, I think a lot of the drama, because we're watching it for the drama too, comes with her, comes from her own relationship with her own family and comes from her own struggles as a person. And I think that's just very important. I just, I just felt it was, I just thought I needed to say that just to like, not discount like other shows or films with like Asian characters, sorry. Right, totally. And that's like those, those shows are definitely the things I'm talking about with these like, you know, shows that are coming out, especially in the past few years. It's just, you know, in 10 years ago, it's a completely different story. And that's how we grew up, you know, with those, with those type of things. And I, I'm so happy for people that are young now that are growing up with these things and hopefully they feel a little more empowered and that they can be who they are um, without feeling these stereotypes just weighing down on them. But anyway, Luke was going to say stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think, um, no, just to add on, I mean, there's so many, this project and this process and being here at South by Southwest, I think has made both Kayla and I feel lots of things, um, especially what with what's going on in the world right now. So, um, but I think first and foremost, uh, I think we've just feel like such a sense of validation right now. Um, you know, not only just being young people wanting to have a show about young people who are treated seriously and, and not, you know, like, over-dramatized or hyper-sexualized. They're just young people and these are their problems. Um, and it feels good to have that validated as, yes, this is true, this is something that's real. And then, and that their stories, you know, are worthy of, you know, praise. Um, and then also um, just for, I think, Asian media, you know, with Parasite winning um, so many Oscars last year, uh, Minari, being nominated so many times this year and then shows like never have i ever and um you know kim's convenience all finding audiences uh, i think it shows that um the entertainment world and just our world at large is coming together hopefully you know a little bit more i think there's also proof of that not happening um in the world but i think my hope is that you know with I feel like the music industry is bridging too. And so with film and television, also just people getting over, you know, the subtitle one inch wall and finding more content to, to love and appreciate, you know, I think like that's just the biggest dream and for us to be hopefully a small part of that and um, hopefully to continue to be a part of that. That's, you know, what would mean the most to us for sure. Hmm. Yeah. And there's two particular storylines in the show that I think touches on that and I think is one of the most important things when it comes to like representation on screen and it has to do with the type of stories being told and, and it has to do with real life situations and in fact like like where there is the mention of suicide like the reason that G that Jamie goes to America is because her sister tried to commit suicide and you're talking about how this particular story affects um, Jamie, like her own mental um, and emotional state is a concern and it's, and it's, and it's about how these things in family, in, that happen in family affects their siblings or their parents or whatever. And she has to deal with guilt and all of this. And I think it's important that we talk about mental health for in, in the younger communities, because usually they're the ones that get kind of left out in the cold and we don't talk about them unfortunately until something drastic happens and I think it's important I just think it's great that the two of you are creating a project that does deal with things like mental health and and sexuality and and the LGBTQ community because these are things that are stigmatized not only in age communities but I think in a lot of ethnic communities as well and sometimes as people of color like growing up like from when from when I was younger you, these were things that weren't really talked about and now I would say in the last I wouldn't even say 10, the last probably five years, thanks mostly in part to social media, like we are getting more discussions about these kind of topics in ethnic communities. Like that's where Twitter being the hellscape that it is, you do have a reprieve where people are able to talk about these things. And I think it's great that you guys are doing this in your show as well, because this creates the visibility for um, young, especially young Asian women and young Asian men to talk about these situations. So can you just tell me about the importance of that for you? Um, guys, and also about you, the sensitivity needed to address these in the show so that you, uh, that you because you have to tr tread a very thin line 
with regards to these kind of stories because you have to make sure that you're that they're dealt with sensi sensitively and that's not a word that they're <laughs> that they're dealt with um with care and consideration yeah yeah i mean i that part of the pilot specifically was inspired by something that had happened to me personally and so i knew those feelings of guilt and just grieving very very well and it had i had written it a few months after that had happened so i was still you know very all those feelings were very fresh um but at the same time i wanted to as you said treat suicide and mental health with respect and not exploit it um as you know as a as a means to get Jamie's story begun you know like her her processing is is not just or this this event is not just to get her here it's going to carry her through the rest of this season this through line of her processing her trauma and how she feels about mental health and her family's you know there's just so much shame surrounding suicide I feel like in both the American society and Korean society that people just don't want to talk about it and once you kind of get a little close to it people get uncomfortable and they just kind of pretend that it doesn't exist you know and they don't want to talk about it at all so I think and that's extremely dangerous um, just because we when people are in vulnerable situations like this they need to feel like they can reach out and talk to someone about it um, and you know when there's just so much shame what do you do when you feel like you know, when you feel really awful and that you don't want to live anymore, where do you go when no one wants to talk about it? So I think these kinds of shows, you know, hopefully will get the conversation at least, you know, started. But I, I mean, there there's definitely conversations going on about it. And I think, you know, mental health awareness, like I think there's like a month or and there's like suicide prevention. Um, like the conversation has begun, but I just wanted to, you know, that that still feels like very much like a uh, you know, it's it's just not in in media, and I feel like a lot of people learn from media as much as uh, as weird as that may sound. We we learn about ourselves through through narrative, um, and about the human condition through narrative. So I think it's it's a kind of a, a deft way to to kind of uh, introduce these these uh, these problems that people are sometimes shying away from. So I hope that uh, we that it comes across that we're we're being um, careful and and respectful um and treating treating these these issues with uh yeah with care but yeah and Luke? yeah it's tough um I, it really is important to to talk about um kind of things that get i think treated as taboo often um the show was originally written as a comedy and then uh as if Kayla can explain at some point, but she decided to shift to something more um, drama focused and, um, you know, something that could touch on, you know, what had recently happened to her. And at first, even I was kind of hesitant to that, you know, being part of the story because, um, you know, I've had, I think, a lot of friends with mental health struggles as well. And, um, you know, it's hard. And then when you see it, I think in, in film school, kind of one of the tropes, unfortunately, is that students will make kind of these films about, you know, like suicide or like partying. And it's just really, people frequently do it wrong. Um, and I mean, even in mainstream media, I think, and not to throw un anybody under the bus, but to kind of throw any somebody under the bus with 13 Reasons Why, you know, it's it's a show that's very focused on suicide and um, trauma in your high school years, and it really misses the mark. Um, and so it it's it's hard. It's tough to um, you know talk about these things in media because you can so easily do it wrong, and even in real life, it can be hard to talk about. You can so easily do it wrong. So, um, but it is important to talk about. And I think you know, as Kayla touched on, there is uh, a lot of culture of shame both here in the United States and more so, I think, in Korea. So it's it's really important to touch on these things, but also to focus on the wider narrative, I think, which we're able to do in parks um, and, you know, show how it affects different aspects of your life. And I think hopefully also show that there is still joy ahead. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and I mean, I guess it was important to me that we didn't have the main character be the one who is like the one who is 
contemplating or attempting suicide just because I know what it feels like to be on the other side, you know, and I want, I could speak to my experience, but I didn't, I could never assume, you know, what someone else is going through that feels like that. And I don't want to disrespect anyone who is going through that um, and, and treat it in a way like, because I think suicide is often glamorized in media. Um, and so, which is extremely dangerous as well. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to speak from my own experience and also like we never show the, the suicide attempt. We never, you know, touch any of that. It's all about the feelings, um, which I think is uh, what's, what's important um, and feeling like you should. And one of Jamie's problems is that she doesn't feel like she can speak about her feelings. Um, and I think that's, you know, probably what happened with her sister is that like she didn't she didn't know how to speak about it and so that's mainly what I'm trying to or what we are trying to do with this is like being able to reach out you know or encouraging people to reach out when you feel awful <laughs> yeah no I think you guys did it well because like from my own personal experiences um there is when 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 you're on both sides is for like Jamie I think she's doing for her it's the guild and then when you think about it is like if her family doesn't talk to her and if they don't get hashed this out she could also be it can also become a problem for her and she might very well end up in the same situation that her sister's in because she's feeling extremely isolated and she's feeling alone and she's in this new country and she's with family where she's trying to find her own spot to fit in and then she's isolated in america and then if she and then she's pushed away from home in south korea and then there's taking in the whole culture aspect of how mental health in South Korea is not handled because culturally it's, it's something that is very taboo to talk about. It's only now they're finally addressing it more publicly. And it's only now that they're willing to admit that this is a problem in the society and mental health is nothing to stigmatize and it's nothing to be ashamed of. But for her, and it's, a, it's still a reality because she's in that situation. Like she's thinking about herself as a person and not the wider scale of, of how it is culturally. And so it, are there any plans to explore that side of it from the software aspect like with the system, with the family? Are there any plans? And I'm speaking this into being for you guys and being extremely positive that like to, to explore it from, from that part of her relationship with her family. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely um, in the broader plans, I would hope to have an episode that is Korea based. Um, so either that's, in flashback of kind of explaining what exactly happened. Um, not that I would ever show the suicide attempt, as I said, um, but kind of going over the, the climate in her family around mental health and how open they are with each other and kind of exploring more of the um, Korean society and how, how uh, mental health is treated over there. So it's definitely in the cards, but uh, whether or not we get to actually do it is the question, but for sure. Yeah, and I know we're, we're going on a little bit long, so I'm going to give you guys, um, we're going to wrap it up soon. So before I ask my last question, my second to last question has to do, again, with this, but also from the aspect of Eli, because he's in a situation where he also is feeling isolated. He's feeling like he can't connect to his family. And I don't know if this will be a spoiler, but because I kind of guess it fairly up in the show um, that it has to do with his sexuality. And he is, do you guys mention, do you guys mind if I mention it? Would you consider a spoiler? Yeah, you can go ahead. <laughs> okay, so like he's gay, and he he's 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 a he's a young gay he's a young gay man discovering his sexuality. But not only does he have to deal with that, but he I think he all he's also and for me I'm assuming that he's also thinking of what that means for him culturally because again when you think about South Korean um, society like homosexuality and members of the LGBTQ plus community are again in a marginalized are marginalized in the society so. For me, I was wondering if he was thinking about that, even though he's never been to South Korea, he's probably thinking, what will my family in South Korea think if this comes out? And now he's thinking, oh, like because he, he has to do with his harmony and he has to do with his mother. And now Jamie is in this space too. And he's thinking, I have to deal with, because I think he's also Asian in North America. So he's thinking of all these things like racism, um, you know, um, homophobia and that kind of thing. So could you just tell me about including that part into the story as well? Yeah, um, I mean, I think, I don't know if Eli would necessarily be thinking that far in terms of his family in South Korea, just because he doesn't know Jamie that well. So I'm assuming, I mean, things may change as development goes on, but I'm assuming he's not very close with them either. I think it's more just like the people who are immediately in his life and, you know, probably his grandmother for sure, his harmony, his 
you know, worried about what she might say um, and what his, his, his father is a Sunday school teacher. So there's that religious aspect as well. Um, and his parents, like, you know, they're so open, but from what I've heard from, from friends of mine who are in the LGBT community, and I'm like, your parents are like so liberal and they're so down, like, you know, I don't know why you're scared to come out, but they're like, no, like you just don't know how they're gonna react, you know? Like you may think that as an outsider, but you don't live in my body in this family and you don't know what it feels like um, to have to like reveal this part of yourself to the people who have raised you. And I'm like, yeah, like you're absolutely right. Like I, I don't know how that feels. So I think, um, you know, and I wanted to kind of bring that uh, and there's just, you know, I think with, with men as well, um, there's just a lot of toxic masculinity. And I think that uh, we need to, deconstruct that a little bit and I think Eli and on top of internalized homophobia has to deal with this masculinity issue as well just in terms of oh how's it going to look if I come out like am I not going to be as seen as much of a man you know and I think um because there's just some I'm so fascinated by young men in terms of what they feel like they cannot they can and cannot say to each other um and and in their relationships because girls are at least in my experience we're so open with each other about almost everything like I'll like literally cry in the bathroom to a random girl if I'm having like a really bad night um but I think men are they're so at least from what I've gathered I'm not a man but from what I've seen um typically it's just that they're so it, it must be feeling so they must feel so suffocated sometimes because like you can't at least like, I mean, I just don't, I just, it sucks, like, you know, not being able to, to say how you feel because it will make you look less masculine. And it's just, I, I, it's must be like a cage. And I just kind of want to explore that a little bit um, from a female perspective, but yeah, I went off, I went off on a tangent, but no, yeah. This is the perfect segue for Luke to give us his opinions yes. on this. Yes. Plan, but also as the director and directing these scenes with Jeff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, I I feel like I could, uh, you know, there's different points where I think as as a as a writer, uh, director, or just any creative person, you can insert yourself into um, the stories that you are telling. And certainly, I can I think relate to so many of the characters that Kayla wrote. Um, but definitely, Eli, I think, um, and and I can relate very closely to Jeff too. Um, you know, I think um, both Jeff and I and, um, you know, Eli as a character, I think we've tried really hard, you know, our whole lives to kind of be at least what we think like a good person who would be likable, like a good, who'd be masculine enough. And, but it would also, I don't know, be able to navigate so many different things um, that just your your identity as a man and your identity is who you, who you are like ethnically and culturally and um, you know I think at least in part you know I think that kind of mindset creates a lot of erasure of who Eli is he's in this majority white Catholic high school and um, he doesn't have any really con connection to his culture other than through his mom, who I think is more on the end of kind of assimilating into America. And then, um, you know, his grandmother who, um, you know, they're not quite as close as maybe they could be. So, um, you know, and then with his, with his father and, and, and Catholic school, and, you know, I think there's a lot of Christian guilt about what kind of, um, you know, what a masculine man is and if you're not that what are you um and so yeah he's he's clearly experiencing a lot of that um and I think uh I don't know it's, it's really hard it's hard to talk about I mean it's something that I think <laughs> you have to work through uh, um so I don't know it, it is it is really complicated um yeah I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, losing losing my words um it, it's hard it's hard to talk about uh for sure no I get it um and I guess this is where as like film as a filmmaker and also for you Kayla as a writer um the creative process is a way also for you to kind of like work through and figure out the, the answers to the questions that you have because 
I sometimes I think for for a lot of filmmakers, like when I was I was speaking to some recently for for this festival um, included, for them a lot of them have questions at the beginning of their projects and like they find the answers through the process. And I guess using the show as an analogy, it's not complete yet. You're only the first part. So you and you guys are young. Like I'm 37. I'm gonna be 38. Yeah, and I still have not had. I still don't have everything <laughs> figured out. I only I started film criticism. I'm going on four and a half years now and I changed from doing paralegal studies not my diploma and decided I'm going to pursue film criticism so like we don't no one no matter how old we are we don't have all the answers to all the questions and then new new questions keep popping up so like that's I think that's the part of life and I think that's also a brilliant aspect of filmmaking because it allows us to to tap into things that we haven't thought about or, or and and help us to, to see things in new ways and help us to figure out what it is we want to do. And I think that's for, for the show, like even just the, the, the while you were talking, the show title, um, Parks in America kind of made me think when you're parked, you're, 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 you, that means you left one from one destination and you're going somewhere else. You're just in a temporary, you're in a temporary uh, place. You're preparing to leave. And I just, and I, it, for me, based on what you're saying, it sounds you're parked. You guys are. You guys are not figuring out who you are going to be as creators. Like as you said at the beginning, you're just you're not beginning your bios as creators. Like you know your bio and your bio is like a paragraph. And by and by the time you guys go on 10, 15 more years, you're gonna have two full pages. So I just think it doesn't. I don't think right now it might. You don't have to have all the answers. And I think that's. I think that's just beautiful because. I think life would be boring if you had all the answers because that means there's nothing new to discover and there's nothing new to enjoy and there's nothing new to surprise us. It was very beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, and I think for, and I think that's the beautiful way to wrap up the show and wrap up this episode, because honestly, I, I, I want to thank you honestly for, for, for this show, because I'm black, I'm a woman and like, none of the characters don't like me, but there's, I always, one of the things I love about film and television is we can always find ways and things to connect to the characters and we can always see parts of ourselves in the characters. As I mentioned, I, I personally have kind of like similar situations to Jamie um, on multiple levels. And I think your show is going to be, um, is going to do that for, for so many people. And, and I, that's why I'm being extremely positive. I really hope that you guys are able to find a home for this on a platform Netflix. <laughs> I think it's better because, you know, you have a wider platform and it's more international um, but yeah, I just want to thank you guys for speaking to me and, and congratulations on a successful debut at, at South by Southwest. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. <laughs> thank yeah, you. thank you. Thank you. So is there anything um, that you guys want to say just before we close off? What should we say, Lee? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think this is where people would probably be like, um, you know, you can, you can kind of hopefully keep yeah we, we hope you liked it um and you know we hope that you can follow along with us uh in hopes that there might be more um coming soon um and i think we're on we're like at parked in america show on kind of all social platforms yeah um, i think we're at parked in america show on instagram and then we're at parked in america on twitter so yes <laughs> yeah find us <laughs> thank you so much for speaking to me this has been such a joy thank you thank you it's so great to talk to you um and just thank you for taking the time to watch the show and um have all this great you know analysis about it um it yeah. really it feels very meaningful to mm -hmm. know that people are responding um even people who you know don't look like exactly or have the same experience as as the characters in the show so um, it means a lot Thank you once again to Kayla and Luke for joining me for this episode of Carolyn Talks to discuss their debut um, episode pilot, Parked in America. And thank you listeners for, for being here with us. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12, that's C-A-R-R-I-E-C-N-H-1-2. You can find my pinned tweets with, lit my, with my latest articles. 
um, podcast episodes as well as any fun discussions I'm having. You can find more episodes of Carolyn Talks on the babaydopodcast.com site as well as on other streaming platforms. And you can visit my YouTube channel under my name, Carolyn Hines. My first episode is where I discuss Cinderella and the Four Nights with my best, with one of my best friends, Laura Sirico, a fellow critic and nerd, where we, um, for Beyond the Romance. And you can look forward to more episodes of Beyond the Romance on you on the YouTube channel as well as Carolyn Talks episodes. And as a member of the African American Film Critics Association, I and other critics have been taking part in our monthly virtual roundtables where we speak to black film creatives in the industry. Um, recently, we've spoken to Mara Hill and Jill Marie Jones about their new own show called Delilah. It, sh- it shows every Tuesday night, I believe, at 9 p.m. after Queen Sugar. And we've also recently spoken to the supporting cast of Genius Aretha. That's the Aretha Franklin miniseries starring Cynthia Urbio as the legendary singer Aretha Franklin is on National Geographic. You can catch our interview with the cast on the AFCA YouTube channel, that's AAFCA, as well as the AFCA website. So please go there, watch our other roundtables that we've been doing for the last year. We've spoken to people like Anthony Mackie for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Tiana Paris for WandaVision, and we've spoken to a whole host of other actors, directors, writers, editors, um, musicians. You can find, as I said, you can find all of those on the Africa sites. And until the next episode of Carolyn Talks, stay safe. Ooh.